We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Mac, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you. Uh, it's the beginning of the end, I think. Uh, it feels like it, at least for me. Um, this episode is dropping actually one, one day after, I should say. We are officially four weeks away from uh, what is now almost certainly going to be the end of the season, but crazy things have happened. We'll talk about that uh, right after I introduce my esteemed co-host, who has many takes, many, many takes, some of which we just heard. Shout out to all of our patrons who get to hear the pre-show, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, John. How are you? Uh, You know, just diddling along. That's fair. That's that's fair. I'm going to save our non-patron listeners the uh, anxiety. Just say, just, yeah, I think that's good. Um, How are you doing? You doing all right? I'm good. You know, I mean, this week kind of felt like the others in a sense of steps in the right direction, but also, albeit numbing consistencies. And then, Um, as you said, we're, we're getting close to the end. Yeah, it's our... I don't I don't know how many weeks are in the season, however many weeks the season has been. It is the umpteenth consecutive week where we can sit here and be like, this was this was not an altogether feel good week. <laughs> there was like there was there were some things to feel okay about, and then there were some things to not feel okay about, which has literally been every other week. So some weeks worse than others. I I but again, sitting here today. Can't like it's not like we we could sit back and be like oh remember that week where everything was great no it's, doesn't doesn't quite exist um, so we are coming at you on a um, a day later than than usual because um, the Knicks played on Sunday uh, so obviously the the post game pod uh, came at you for where this would usually be um, but we had three games since we last spoke Jeremy um, one which I see Andrew in the rundown has put WTF question mark next to, which I believe the kiddos say that. I mean, what, what the frig, what the fudge, what, what Andrew, the am I close? 
what, what the flip? flip? What, what the, the flip? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. That's the the Knicks uh, thirty point beating of the Dallas Mavericks. I actually don't think that's a WTF game. Like I watched that game and I'm like, I don't know. In light of the the two games that came before it, I know they were against the Kings and Clippers, and we talked about those already. Like I don't know. I kind of was like, okay, this team is playing well and they put it together. Whatever, we'll, we'll get to it. What the fiddle? What mm. the fiddle? Very yeah, yeah. Um, and then a uh, couple of letdowns. Uh, Knicks lost uh, by four to the Grizzlies in Memphis and then lost by three uh, to to the Nets uh, in Brooklyn. Um, I this is an interesting week for me to reflect back on because it's weird and we'll, we'll get to like what our big takeaway from this week is in a minute. But I just want to say at the outset, it, it really is interesting how, you know, one play can potentially change the narrative of a week of a a month of a season. Like I'm just thinking it didn't happen obviously, but if Evan Fournier at the end of the Nets game manages to um, see that Bruce Brown had two working arms uh, and, you know, I don't know, maybe made a dribble move, maybe just did anything other than throwing it into said arms, you know, and the Knicks score a basket there and and they win that game. Um, Not saying like, we'd have a whole different rosier view on things today, but it's just, I, I think the tenor of our conversation would at least be slightly different um, to say nothing of like, you know, the Phoenix game a couple of weeks ago and all that. So like, where, where is your, where's your mindset at with 14 games and four weeks remaining in the season? Get me to April 11th. That's my <laughs> wow. mindset. Maybe try to hide it. No, I won't. Not even try I'll to be, hide it. I will be Andrew shaking his head. Yes. I'm, nodding th- in the I'm just saying what I know a lot of Dick's fans are, thinking, which is that it's enjoyable to watch the youth. And I hope that obviously continues, but at the same time, it's like our conversation or the main discourse or one of them seems to be like, Hey, should the Knicks be actively trying to win games or should they not be doing that? And it's tiring. It's exhausting. It's basically just kind of biding your time until you can start fresh and turn a new page. And I don't love that. I I'm fine seeing it day to day, but in terms of talking about it, it's like I've used the term purgatory in other ways. This is like its own version of purgatory. And when I was watching the Grizzlies game, it reminded me. So it was the end. It was towards the end of the third quarter when things started to slip away. At least it didn't seem like it tremendously, but enough. So no, you, you could tell, Yeah, but it was like that final minute or two, my mind went straight to, Oh my God. This is the Phoenix Suns game of last year when the third quarter implosion happened and then the Suns just ran away in the fourth and won and it started to just feel like, okay, things are not go like they were going great and now they're really not. And then the Knicks finished you know, West Coast swing. That was a little bit rougher. They limped their way into the playoffs, basically getting three wins that didn't really feel like they would be wins. One was against the oh, Spurs, one against I, the Celtics, and another yeah. uh, that occurred. And then they, they lost in five to the Hawks. Now, the Knicks aren't going to be making the playoffs this year. And I will be happy to be wrong about that, but I know that I'm not going to be. And it's the sort of thing where I saw that and you could just see that there's no... Resilience. It feels like things have occurred and it's just kind of once again, the team just 
doesn't have that resiliency. And I know that last year, of course, there were times, right? Like against this Grizzlies team last year at the Garden, that's where the season really turned around. The Knicks came back. They went, they forced it to overtime thanks to RJ. They won the game and then this nine game winning streak occurred and it was great. It's just this one time, it was like, you know, that Phoenix game last year really felt like there's some clear warning signs here and that's a problem. And this didn't quite feel to that magnitude because the Knicks were still very much in the race then. But mm-hmm. if we're, if the Knicks are two and one, and like you said, you know, with RJ in terms of, or with Fournier finding Mitch and not seeing Bruce Brown, if the Knicks hang on to this game, and even if they lose against the Nets, we could be having a conversation that's like, look, it seems like an uphill battle, but I still like, they're still finding ways to do it and give them credit. And now it's kind of just like, Again, we, why do why do we even feel like we're fooling ourselves? We know it's not going to happen. We we go into these games feeling that way, and yet then it's taken away from us. And it's like, okay, well, why did I even give it a moment's thought? So uh, that's just kind of where I'm at. Again, I'm I'm happy to watch Knicks basketball because I know that the masochist that I am, we're going to get to like May, June, and be like, oh, I really I miss the Knicks. I, I miss yeah. them really a lot, even though I know that they're potentially going to hurt me but that's the life we live we didn't choose this life pretty sure there's a syndrome that is oh it is 100 yeah some, some some kind of syndrome um you know i think inadvertently you may have just verbalized in a way better than i've ever heard in the last year and change what made last year's team so special which is that after I'm, you know, for the better part of two decades, any time it felt to me, at least, and Andrew, feel free to chime in here because you're a little older than Jeremy. Um, so you remember a little farther back. Um, anytime it felt like that there was a big spot and the team or a semi big spot, like whatever you want to say, and the team had an opportunity to disappoint, they were going to disappoint. And Knicks fans had just gotten so used to that over so many years. Like even... 2012, 13, like, yes, you got off to the hot start, but like, like the first, you could argue like after that hot start, the first huge game of that season was like the first game of the, of the Indiana series. And what they do? Well, they disappointed, you know, and last year that I'm look, I'm sure I'm oversimplifying. I'm sure I'm forgetting some stuff, but that's at least going into last year. That's what it felt like. And then last year, and I literally just looked up this now, um, clutch net rating, you I don't know if I've, I've never looked this up. I don't know if maybe one of you guys have, you know what the Knicks were clutch net rating for their 2021 season, what their rank was for the, for the, in the league for last year, last year, I'm going to say sixth. Andrew, you want to take a guess? Uh, the way you're talking, it's high. So I'll say third or it is third, <clears throat> third at uh, plus 12.5. And um, relating it now back to this year, uh, Jeremy, you said purgatory. Um, you know, you talked about like this feel like watching the Grizzlies game and it's like, oh, it's okay. This is the way it's going to go. And it feels like every opportunity where they could have come up big this season, they have come up small. Um, and I don't know, can we think of one or two times where maybe they, they, their, their backs were against the wall and they really need to come out of it and they came out of it in a way that we like really didn't expect. I don't know. You want to give me like the, the Golden State game. You know, a couple a week or so before the 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 All Star break, maybe one or two more Kings game. Honestly, I mean, it, it it felt like the season was gone by that point, but still, yeah. just yeah. But it wasn't the Bucks game early on. 
okay, the Bucks game early on, that's fair. I, I, but the Kings game, like that's sure they made that turnaround in the third quarter, you know. Yeah. Um. So their uh, clutch net rating this season. Um. You want to you want to guess this one, Jeremy? Twenty sixth. Uh, Andrew. Thirtieth. Yeah, thirtieth. It is. Jesus, it is. Andrew, good job. <laughs> I was being extreme on this one. Uh, it is. It is dead last. Uh, actually, improved a little bit after the Brooklyn game. Oddly enough, uh, it's negative twenty three point five. Um, after them is the Pacers at negative twenty point five, and then the Hawks are twenty eighth at negative fourteen point three. So they're about nine points per hundred possessions worse than the twenty eighth ranked team. So. I just, I give you those stats to say like, Jeremy, everything you just said is like completely spot on and like intellectually sound. And yet I found myself watching that Brooklyn game being like, man, if they could just pull this one out, if they could figure out a way in this game, man, you got that. We're playing Charlotte two more times this year. We play Atlanta again. Like schedule's not looking so hard now. Like, and, and that's, you know, I guess that's more the fan in me and you're, you're more, you're able to separate that part out, which God bless you. You're, you're probably healthier well, for it, but <laughs> I mean, I am, and I'm not because I think about this team more than anything. And it's crippling yeah. in a lot of ways, as I'm sure you're well aware, but it's <laughs> the one thing I'll say about this year that I felt is great compared to in years past. I don't think that there have really been any, I shouldn't say any, cause of course they probably happen, but there have been far fewer fake comebacks this year than there have been in a lot of seasons prior. The patented Nick fake comeback, I haven't really seen it rear its ugly head that much this year. Well, and you need to be down 20. because Right. Well, yeah. sure. But but that's that's the thing. The Knicks have been able to hang in there yeah. enough for it to feel like, you know, then it's like, okay, well, what comes after that, right? Because now we're talking about blowing leads. And you could you could basically say, well, on the one hand, the Knicks had to build those leads, and that's great. On the other hand, it's, well, how come they couldn't keep it that way? How come they couldn't win those games? And that's, again, goes hand in hand with the need for a closer. They need someone to be able to close the game in isolation, have that clutch gene. You know, it doesn't have to be one player. You can have multiple guys do that. You can. But that's sort of where we're seeing. We're seeing a, a very average team underwhelming. It's the same song that it's been the whole year. It's just feels worse when there are games that you know that they should and could be winning and they're just not. Yeah. Um, and, and the front office uh, is going to have to grapple with the reasons for why that is uh, this summer. Um, so Andrew, uh, I love what he did here. So he, <laughs> he gave us five. Andrew, can you, can you answer this too? What I do. So you, you, you wrote down five possible choices for like, what is the, what is the discussion? Uh, surrounding this week. And I wanted to open with that, like that opening conversation as the backdrop, because I think it's a good, a good entree into this. So here are the five choices that you wrote down. You ready? Ready. Wait, do we, do we want to go one and assess all of them or just read? Them? I just, I want to, I want us to each pick, pick one. Or if we want to, if we want to, if we feel like strongly, like a one, sure. two, three, or like there's top sure. two at the top. So here are the five choices you wrote down. Choice A, this team should pivot to a lineup that focuses more on development because the, the play-in isn't happening. Okay. It's one possible. Discussion discussion point this week and moving forward. Um, B, this team can play with anybody and win a couple of play-in games and shouldn't give up on the season just yet. Ah, ever the optimist, Andrew. I love you. Choice C, the team is an, uh, is an upgraded point guard uh, and or one or two other positions away from being 3-0 and and closer to fourth 
than they are 12th. Okay, fair. Trish D, the injuries this team has sustained. Jeremy, I think this is, you were kind of alluding to this with the absence of Rose. Rose has been a closer for them in the past. Uh, Rose, Grimes, Reddish, make it difficult to fully judge what the season could have been. And then finally, Trish E, injuries aside, this team is currently constituted, would have a better record if they had better late game execution and or coaching. You did a good job with these, Andrew. I was scoured Nick's Twitter to see what the conversation was. And I thought this, this captured all of it. It did. Um, can we rule one out? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's an easy one. <laughs> Jeremy. <Go ahead>. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's rule out B. I didn't think, out B. I'm glad that we can rule that one out. I <laughs> they, did not think that was yeah. the optimistic take we should, t- we should have on this. this don't they teach you? It's been a long time since I took an SAT prep course, but don't they teach you like rule out the, Clearly wrong answer first yes. and then go from there. <laughs> okay. So the Steve could not play with anybody. Um, and uh, well, I'll say this. I, I think the second part of it that they could like, if you told me this team was magically transported, talk about superpowers, magically transported itself into the play-in. Could they beat the Hawks in the play-in? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they could beat the Hawks in the play-in. Could they beat the, uh, maybe the Cavs in the play-in? Like, yeah, sure. Why not? I think okay. we just saw a world where if they get Derrick Rose back, why can't they beat Brooklyn without Kyrie in the play-in if they beat the Hawks? Sure. Fine. That's great. Um, it's, it's honestly the conditional part of it, right? It's, it's the, the conditional. Yeah. It, like, you could say this team can play with anybody and win a couple play-in games. I would be surprised, but based on how they're going with teams that are better than them, like they could keep it close and shouldn't give up on the season just yet. I think it's just too late. That part I threw in that honestly, that part I threw in just to make it. So it fits yes. everything. The fact that I do think if they had Derek Rose back, that like, that's, what's been missing the last, especially the last two games in trying to close these two games out, like a guy that can settle things down and get you a bucket. So that way Julius isn't playing point so that RJ is probably better set up to, to make a couple of like they set him up perfectly yesterday. Um, they're clearly missing a captain of the ship. Even if he's not like the most important player on the court, he would navigate better. These, these stretches down the stretches that we've seen that they've been collapsing, you know, I, I actually would also, and Jeremy, I, I think you're going to agree with me on this, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm actually also going to rule out C that like, and I've seen this floated around like, man, we're X away. Unless X is, I don't know, name the top seven players in the NBA. Like we're not X away. Like we're, 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 I think, and this is to me where, where the real story of this season lies, maybe not this week, but this season lies, which is like, if you're an NBA team and things can deteriorate to the point that they have deteriorated for the Knicks. And I'm not even saying this was a bad week. I would say all in all, it was a pretty good week, you know, in terms of how they played, in terms of some other things. Um, you're not, you're not a, a, a small pivot or two small pivots or a medium pivot and a small pivot away. You're like, you know, you're a ways away. Um, and I, I, so I would rule out that they're, you know, an upgrade, a point guard and like one, one, two other positions away from being, like right in the thick of like the Eastern Conference race or whatever. Oh, I will rule it out, but reluctantly. Because again, the song that I've been singing is that just try to upgrade at the point guard position. If you yeah. see an avenue to get a better front court player, then totally you, well, you are on your way. But it doesn't I, mean like, don't do those things. Right, I just don't want to. Like, 
yeah. they won't get to three and zero at that point. Like that to me is a bit of a leap. I think you could say, well, if the Knicks hadn't done this at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, if they had been able to do this against Brooklyn, you know, whatever it might be, because they certainly did a great job against Dallas, and they didn't have a, you know, I mean they they didn't have an upgrade at point guard at that point in terms of like from an external candidate. So it can swing one way or the other. I just don't think this is kind of like the indication of the season. I, I think what this year in the NBA has revealed to me, at least, and maybe this is like super obvious and isn't worth saying is like, it's not about whether you can beat a very good team. Look at, look at uh, any of the bottom four teams in the league, Pistons, uh, Rockets, Thunder, who am I forgetting? Magic. Go look at their wins. They've all beaten really, really good teams. Go look at any of the best teams in the league. Whoever you want. They've all lost to really, really shitty teams. Anything could happen on any given night where a team just like comes together, plays well, you know, not just on like hot shooting. Like there is a lot of parity in the league in that sense. And it feels more so in this year in particular. And it really is the, the what separates the cream of the crop from everything below is the consistency that you could bring. And the fact that the Knicks are so inconsistent where the same. And by the way, I say this as someone who believes they did turn a corner at the all-star break. I do believe that they are a fundamentally better basketball team um, than they were before that. And they were like trying to start to turn the corner. But um, even so, that tops out at like, you know, I don't know, mediocre, high mediocre. The fourth seed is the part that I think makes this worthy of being crossed out. The fourth seed just because last year they were the fourth seed. Yeah. I think top of the plane is more the conversation that could be had if they had a healthy D Rose, if you know Grimes doesn't go down, if all of these games that because we literally can point to six or seven games where they've had 15 point leads and it's recent that hey, someone to get you a bucket when you're not when when the ship is sinking you know, would be useful here, but I'm again, the almighty fourth seed can, can be crossed off this list. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I'll also cross off D, which is the injury excuse that it makes it difficult to judge mm. what the season could have been. And I think this is twofold. One, if you're a, if you're really relying on a 30, whatever year old Derek Rose and he goes down and like your whole season, it gets torpedoed because of that. Then something is probably wrong. Was that um, Fred who made that point? Or was it for Valley that just like, we could say it. What if the D Rose, but like, like if that's what was the turning point of this season, then how dependable was the success of the season to begin with? Yeah. I forget who it was, but it was, it was definitely one of them. Um, you know, but even more than that, like, like good, good teams, like, you know, look at the Pelicans, like they built their entire roster around, like it, they literally like built the perfect roster to surround Zion Williamson and Zion Williamson has played as many minutes for the Pelicans as, as the three of us have. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. So I, you He's know, a lot wealthier it, it, than we are, but you know, he is a bit wealthier than, than we are. Uh, maybe he'll get even wealthier this summer. We'll see. Um, yeah, so I don't like that one for a, a number of reasons. Um, which then we're we're left with two. Jeremy, well, I don't. Well, Jeremy, like, I'm really glad that you picked that because I didn't want to have to fight you on it. So I'm. With, oh yeah. I 
Yes. If you're banking on Derek Rose, who has not played, I think he's played in 75% or more of games in a season once since his first stint with the Knicks. He's consistently played 50 games a year. This It's the sort of thing for me where it's like you can rely on him for what you hope to be maybe 60%. And this year, he's going to have played a lot less than that. And with, you know, with Reddish and Grimes, the younger guys, Reddish didn't come in until about halfway through the year. He was obviously on the bench until the trade deadline. He then played more minutes. Now he's hurt. Grimes obviously was showing really nice promise. And then he got hurt too. But the, I think fans might be surprised to learn that the Knicks have actually been one of the healthiest teams in the NBA this year. And I say that because I actually, not too long ago, saw someone tweeting about how the Knicks should fire their health staff. Uh, oh, come on. Because it's like of how these injuries and Noel and Rose, like Noel is still a surprise. I will maintain that he has, he has played significantly over the last eight years for the most part uh, outside of a torn ACL before he got to the NBA. He's, he's been generally pretty healthy. This year has been the down year Rose. It's par for the course. So yeah, it's injuries were not for the, the reason why we're in this predicament. Um. I'm just doing some quick math. Uh, so if Rose does not play again this season, or even if, if he plays like a handful of games or whatever, uh, I'm cheating a little bit because I'm including in here the year he did not play any games. Uh, it was the post ACL year, but over the last 11 years of his career, he's averaged uh, 39 games played per year. Mm. So, I mean, it is what it is, you know? Um, and that's no shade on him. It's just, it's, it's an unfortunate, it, Whatever. It's an unfortunate fact of, of his career. Still worth the contract, uh, but ability. Yeah, I would agree with the that. The best and ability is availability. Yes. Um, which leaves us with two. Um, and I think they're the correct top two, which is that, like, look, stop fussing around, play the kids. And then second part, which, again, this is this is why I think it, this is interesting, Andrew. Um, the team is currently constructed, would have a better record if they had better late game execution or coaching. This seems to be where the conversation is right now. And I think those two things are related. And it's like, I feel like everybody's just kind of so frustrated with the late game execution and coaching and like part and parcel with the execution part is like Julius Randle, like not coming up big late in games and like other guys um, who have had those opportunities and, and, and have somewhat uh, not, not, not succeeded. Um, so like, if that is going to be the case, then you might as well play the kids. Um I think both of those are fair. I guess the the I'll I'll, I'll give my hot take and then I'm 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 kind of I'll I'll bow out and let you guys say what you want to say. But I am actually okay with how much the kids are playing right now, and I say that it's a little convenient and easy for me to say that because like Quentin Grimes is injured right now, Cam Reddish is injured right now, um, but I. Other than some quibbles, uh, to use a, a Bernard word, uh, that I've had uh, throughout the year, probably more about Emmanuel Quickly's playing time than anything. Um, I haven't had that much of an issue with how much anyone has played. Even like Deuce right now, like Deuce has played, I think, 10 and 11 minutes or 11 minutes in each of the last two games. Like I watch him play and he he strikes me as a kid who's like not probably ready to be playing NBA basketball right now. I don't know why that is. Maybe that's unfair of me to, to make that judgment. Um, that's just my perception. So with that, 
I'm okay with how they're deploying things right now. Like the guys that I want to see play big minutes are playing enough minutes to satisfy me. Maybe not exactly what I would want, but enough. I understand that I'm in the minority of probably like 10% of people who feel that way, but it's how I feel. So uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that and I'll, I'll turn it to you. Well, the one challenging thing about A versus E here, right, is one of them is about the past and the other one is about the future. Yeah. You can't change what happened, but we can also see that some of the things that are occurring in the past are still being impacted presently. And I know I will sound like a hater, but I'm going to have to go with like it's E to me. Injuries aside, this team is currently constructed would have a better record if they had better late game execution and or coaching. And I looked at it beforehand. So I, I know the biggest knock with Tibbs comes from the point guard position with Kemba Walker, the front office gave him Kemba Walker and all that. So I wanted to look, and again, it's not the largest of sample sizes, but I looked at the games since Kemba has been shut down. Granted, Noel has also not played, but he wasn't really playing a lot anyway similar with Rose. So I was just looking in the first quarter since the all-star break has come back. Mm -hmm. The Knicks have the 18th best offensive rating. It's 111.3. Second quarter. And that's only 18th. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I would have have expected that to be higher. Their net rating in the first quarter, negative 1.3. So, you know, not great, but it's fine. It's it's yeah, it's fine. Meh. Next. It is meh. <laughs> the second quarter, 114.3 offensive rating. So certainly better. Good. It's yeah. 14th overall, 5.4 net rating. And a big reason is when you look at the youth that has been playing to start the second quarter, they've done a really nice job. And it goes hand in hand with the whole thought before of like, well, why aren't you playing the, the kids more, Tibbs? We would like to see that. Third quarter, surprisingly, sixth. 121.6 is the offensive rating. Yep. 11.8 net rating. That's really good. Clearly, this team that had before just died in the third quarter, abysmal, has found a way to do a great job. I think a big reason is probably the fact that Kemba Walker is not playing significant minutes I, in the third quarter. And he's I would agree with that. St- like, I mean, he would be subbed out after what? Nine minutes of play, even though Tibbs would take two timeouts. So uh, it's great to be able to see that the Knicks are clicking in the third quarter. And I'm sure, you know, situations like Sacramento are big reasons for that. The fourth quarter. 101.4 offensive rating. 26th. It's not great. Negative seven, negative 7.7 net rating. They limp to the finish line every time. Seemingly. Yeah. The blown leads. All of it. There's just... I was um, actually I could I could pull it up right now because I I actually bookmarked it to talk about it and then remembered as we as I was saying this something that caught my eye, which was R.J. Barrett on the Grizzlies game saying about the Grizzlies they got a really good team yes they really know their system they yep. share the ball they're happy for each other's success you know what I mean they're like a well-oiled machine and you took that as what. I took because I took it as something in particular. What did you take it as? (laughs) I took it as two things. Number one, I took it as a compliment for the second best team in the Western Conference. Number two, I took it as a direct shot to the Knicks, to Tom Thibodeau, 
basically saying, what the fuck are we doing here, Tom? Oh, I not playing cohesively. We are consistently ISO. We are one of the most ISO heavy teams in the NBA. And we are one of the worst in terms of points per possession. I took it as that as someone who like even last game against the nets, how he, how RJ was frozen out of the third quarter, the third quarter, which mind you, I just said was they were sixth in offensive rating and to not even involve your best player, which I think at this point we could say RJ Barrett is eclipsed Julius Randle, at least. Absolutely. To not have him be able to be as assertive. And I, I get it. Part of that is on RJ too, but a lot of it is also on coaching and on Julius, maybe taking a lot of possessions and, it's just, uh, it's not great. So I, I took it as RJ being complimentary to a team that has had a great process building from, you know, an older core that they were then able to trade pieces off. They got John Morant. They had Jaron Jackson Jr. They've done a fantastic job of building. And the Knicks, who up until recently were playing veterans, and the biggest reason why the veterans aren't playing is because most of them are injured. And the front office, it seems, has kind of, indicated to Tibbs, even though we don't have tangible proof, we can kind of guess at least that they want to see more of the youth. I, so a couple things regarding Tibbs. Um, 2012, 13, the season I just referenced a bit ago where Derek Rose didn't play at all. Um, Chicago Bulls had second most uh, clutch wins. It wins in clutch games in the league. 29. Um, their net rating in those games was plus 7.8, um, which was ranked eighth in the league during that season. Two years later, 2014-15, a little bit of a better Bulls team. Um, they had more wins in clutch games than any team in the league. And then obviously um, last season, like I just said, the Knicks had the third most, um, third best uh, clutch net rating in the league. So the notion that like Tibbs is not able to coach a team in, in, in crunch time, I think history has borne out that, that, that is, that is not the case. Um, like any coach, as Jeff Van Gundy always says, comes down to the players, which leads me to my other point, which is that I think RJ was taking a shot at Julius Randle there. Um, as someone who repeatedly, and it's funny, uh, Prez of the Strickland passed along, um, an article written on five thirty eight before, the uh, all-star game about teams and how much they lean into ISO ball late and the Knicks do it a lot. doesn't work. And players who lean into ISO ball late and Julius Randle does it a lot and it does not work. And the numbers are unequivocal about that. Um, even against the Nets, you know, um, Julius Randle had, uh, he had, uh, I think he had the late dunk where there was a defensive blown possession. That was not anything Julius Randle did. They just didn't cover the pick and roll correctly. And the other opportunity he had, he had a turnover when Gordon, uh, Gordon Dragic uh, swiped his, picked his pocket. It was ugly. It was not good. I think it's a shot at Julius. Um, I think RJ is still for Tibbs. Do I think he thinks Tibbs is the greatest coach in the world? I have no idea. But to me, I think this is more about Julius than Tibbs. Um, I think the numbers bear that out. I think reasonable minds could disagree on that for sure. Um, but you know, let's also call a spade a spade. RJ is 21 and RJ, um, has not exactly, you know, he's not there yet in terms of being a guy who can come up huge in the clutch either. Like he had an opportunity 
against Memphis uh, in what I would argue may have been the pivotal play of the game because he drove against Jaron Jackson Jr. And instead of passing to a wide open Emmanuel quickly, who had just hit a huge three, three minutes earlier in that game, decided to try to take a really tough shot against Jaron Jackson Jr., got swatted, led to a fast break. Memphis takes the lead by three. And, you know, they, that's the Knicks would never get any closer. Look, it's a lack of talent. And this is what happens when you have a lack of talent is teams lose close games. I'm not saying you can't win, you know, without more talent. You need a certain type of system. You need buy-in. They don't have that. They relate. To, they resort back to the same shit that they do. And it's so frustrating to all of us. And it doesn't work. And it's all bad. I'm just more here to say, let's spread the blame around as opposed to just saying it's the, it's the coach. That's all that I want to say. Do you remember that image that went viral five, six years ago of the dress? Of which? The dress? Oh, the, 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 uh, what color said, is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. People thought it was blue and black. Some thought it was white. Oh, that, I'm just curious. Do you that, remember what colors you saw? Oh, I don't. Uh, I, it was dark, right? Wasn't it a dark dress? So in reality, it was blue and black, which is what I saw it as. I, wasn't I think sure I saw you, it as the same thing. Okay. I wasn't sure if you saw it as white and gold, because the reason I bring it up is I feel as though we are we are examining this in the yeah. lens that we want to see it as because to yes. me to me I do think Julius Randall is culpable in this tweet as well or this uh, quote, but I also think that Julius is a byproduct in a lot of ways of the coaching that Tibbs does. Like if if Tibbs were better, with X's and O's, I bet there would be a lot less ISO ball. But they revert to it oh. because I think that there's not enough of a system where they have been able to execute it, and that I think is inherently a big problem that plagues them. You know, like again, yes, RJ should have made a better read with that quick pass. He's not blameless. That's also what happens. And and he's also 21. Right. Right. He's He's 21. And Julius at this point should know better. hundred percent. I'm with you. It's more that like, again, like the coach has the say on what should be occurring. He has the say on lineups. At least he should. That's why the whole thing with Kemba, it's like, again, I understand if he was dealt a bad, set of cards, bad hand, but he he also did have other options that he could have used in order to mitigate how bad that hand was. Yeah. And that's why it kind of keeps going back. No one, no one is without blame. Um, Again, I've said it, I think every episode for months, no one is without blame here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You want to give out some game balls? Let's do it. Let's refresh our recollection of the rules, Jeremy. You can give a game ball. You're so pompous when you win, and yet to whoever you so want. far behind in the depth in the, in the standings. But yes, yes. I wow, look at this. He's already preemptively like trying to with with the with the predictions. We're not even Jeremy. We're not even at the prediction yet. We're just oh. a game ball. Yeah, because we know who picks the game ball first, John. You know it's funny. That's literally never been a rule. I just completely forgot last week that I, I made it intentionally as a dig to Jeremy. He's like, oh, you know what, John? You go first. We've John's got first every time this year. Oh, but specifically now, John, because you won. Go ahead. You get to go first. Well, well thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Andrew, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I think there is probably an obvious name here. He's not going to come out of my mouth. Uh, Can we do something different? Because I write down multiple options and you you guys don't get to all of them. Read off all the options. Sure. Here then you guys can pick one. Julius Randle, Jericho Sims, Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, Alec Burks, my man, Alec Burks, Tom Thibodeau. I don't know what he's doing on here. Miles McBride, I guess because they're still playing hard, right? That's why Tibbs deserves some credit. Sure. Let's not pretend that they didn't just play three teams that you could reasonably say might play in the finals this year. And one, they blew out by 30 points, which our Julius said after the game was the best defense they've played all season. And the last two outside of like poor execution down the stretch, the Knicks were in it. And yeah, that, that means they're still playing for the coach. I've uh, I've I've given enough praise to Tom Thibodeau for a lifetime, so I'm not going to do it here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give some praise to Jericho Sims. Um, and I guess you didn't write it down here, but Jericho Sims slash the front office um, front office is taking a lot of shit this year for various reasons. I think some of them quite well deserved. Um, they got a steal uh, with this kid. This kid is a NBA player. He is without question a solid backup center if you're going to run the type of scheme that the Knicks run. I think as uh, I saw some some Twitter Twitter clips going around, I know some by uh, Benji, I think some by some folks at the Strickland showing some stuff that Sims does that like it's not like there's any like bright line differences between him and Richard Robinson, but I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it was made by Schwinn, actually. It really is the little things that it comes down to with him. He is so clean and crisp with with a lot of what he does on the floor. And I just love that about this kid. I'm so excited to watch him moving forward. I think, you know, it's nice to have a it's gonna sound messed up. It's nice to have a center who like we don't have to worry about like, oh, is he gonna take threes? Is he gonna like do that? Like, we know what Jericho Sims is. Like he is a very base, like this is what he is. This is his role. He knows his role. He's not trying to do anything outside of his role. He's comfortable in his role. And guess what? He's really good at his role. Um, it just, it continues. Like I, the, the Mitchell Robinson situation is fascinating. Mitch, by the way, had a good week. Um, but I, all the respect to him and everybody else, I'll give my game ball to uh, Jericho Sims. Jericho to me is like the best vanilla ice cream you could ask for. <laughs> you know you're getting vanilla 
But there's something about it where it's like it just <laughs> yeah. it tastes really good, and also maybe it tastes even better because of how cheap it is. How it doesn't really cost you anything, and you have significant abilities to keep going. <laughs> I mean, like Jericho Sims on a two way, that's great. And we we should because ju- actually, um, friend friend of the pod, uh, Alan Seppenwall asked me about this earlier today. Um, they the the notion of converting him to an NBA contract this summer. Um, it's not like some team can steal him away. They do have restricted uh, rights on him. So mm-hmm. they, we don't know what the, the, we don't need to get into what the number is going to wind up being, but like, we'll talk about that this yeah, summer. Yeah. They get, they, Jared, let's say this. Jared Simmons is not going anywhere. Oh, no. Yeah. Say that. He's not. Um, he's not on the list, but my game ball is going to the one, the only. Mr. Tom Brady. I'm so mad at you right now. No, no, no. Stay retired. Tom Brady is on our list of detention. Yeah. Why should Tom Brady be in detention? See, here's the impressive thing. Tom Brady for 40 days and 40 nights, kind of like Noah on the ark, was with his family. And then the sun rose and he decided... It's time for me to come back. It's time for me to grace my presence in the world. And I, as a football fan, if you could even call it that, because my football fandom has been dwindling over the years, to see him come back. And the only frustration about it was that we were not recording last night when this news dropped. And we could not just see Andrew die a little inside. Like he is right now? Like he, well, see, but he, he processed Thomas coming back. And now he's just looking at me glumly because I'm bringing up that he's back. But he knew what well, the surprise element wasn't quite there. But you know how baller it is to be in your early 40s? Be like, you know what? I want to compete at the highest level and make a ton of money. And I could probably win another ring, my eighth ring. I could do it again. I like, think about it. If I left my job and wanted to come back 40 days later, no chance. It's filled, it's done. That, that is how you stay not expendable. That is the baller move to do. And I got to give it to Tom Brady. We, we should stick with the biblical references. Doubting Thomas. He, was, he, was, he wasn't yes. sure. Before he wasn't it was sure. just Tibbs, but now it's Brady. That was, hey, Andrew, that was a great title. Doubting Thomas. Yes. Didn't shout out Pastor Claudio. Yeah. No, shout out Pastor Claudio. I, I bet you I, didn't think you'd come back around this way. But here we are. I just want him to go away. Plain and um, simple. He's, he's, I, th- I thought we finally were rid of him, but no, <clears throat> he's back and he's going to be back next year. He's going to be back the year after that. Never going to know football without Tom Brady. I'm convinced. You will at some point. Um, and for, and for this, well, being actually, to be fair, you did, you did know football without Tom Brady. It just only lasted 40 days. It lasted 40 well, days. Exactly. Exactly. 39 days for, for, 30, for yeah. this being your, your game ball. I would, can we add Steve Cohen to the list of game ball applicant uh, uh, candidates? Sure. Someone sure. who's actually spending money on a team that he owns. That's fair. I mean, making right. moves, you know, to be fair, Hal Steinbrenner spent money. That's right. It's just bad money. <laughs> Somebody I do not like, spend. I just, I don't want to see that, that weasel faced dillweed on my team. And yet, Which oh, one? Wow. you have so many, Which no, one? Well, I mean, <laughs> Josh Donaldson being specific. Josh Donaldson. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I actually know who that is. Um, okay. Time Daddy. for our, de- time for our detention. Um, 
someone who uh, we think needs to be locked in a room for <laughs> a week by themselves. I, I just, I will never not get a kick out of that description. Our nominees, as listed by Andrew Claudio, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle also appeared on the game ball <laughs> list. I just pick your that's, poison. Does he the, get a good week or a bad week? That's the season it's been. Uh, RJ Barrett, Tom Thibodeau, Leon Rose, Taj Gibson, how dare you? And Tom Brady with many exclamation points. I'm going to go off the grid here. And I, I, I want to be very clear. I love this person. He's a, I consider him a friend, um, friend of the pod. My detention goes to Mark Berman. Oh, here's, here's why. Sent out a tweet today. I'm going to read the tweet verbatim. It, referencing uh, Peter Body's uh, game story from Brooklyn. Okay. Took this one off after a gruel, after a grueling, grueling six game road trip in all four time zones. All four. But Peter Body was there in Brooklyn. Quote that stuck, struck me is RJ Barrett still saying Knicks are playing amazing basketball. Uh, amazing in quotes. Not exactly. That's Berman's addendum there. Mark, I love you, buddy. You're a beat writer. The Knicks actually had to go play on the six game road trip and go to all of those time zones. And in this tweet, you are critiquing them for having still confidence in themselves after they went and played in all the time zones and played some pretty good games, played some pretty close games. Um, And yet, (laughs) yet they showed up and played in Brooklyn, did their job. And you were so beaten down by the six game road trip that you had to go sit on the couch for that one. And yet you're going to send out this tweet saying um, critiquing RJ Barrett for still having confidence and, and at least saying that he thinks the Knicks are playing amazing. I found that one to be a little ironic. This is so. two weeks in a row. You're going media member for your detention. So Zach Lowe's got a chair next. Is he? Oh, wow. Berman, his chair. That. Yeah. You know, so. The wow. media detention. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, then to be okay. fair, you said it now, John. That's true. I'll change the graphic so it's Andrew mentioned Zach Lowe mm. drink. There Good you call. go. Good call. Yeah. John, why do you hate the media? Yeah. It's inappropriate. You know, it's a bad job by me. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, detention. I kind of want to list <laughs> multiple players because here's the thing like, I feel like I can't put Fournier in detention because the Nets game saved him. Mm. I feel like I can't put Julius in detention because the specifically the second half of the Kings game and, you know, other times as well, moments during the Grizzlies game saved him from the moments where he just basically stood there watching the ball, not having a care in the world, letting players go by him. And I kind of also want to throw Mitchell Robinson in there because on one hand, um, I thought he he had a terrific game, right? With mm-hmm. with what Dallas, Memphis. I'm getting my games mixed up. Like no, he had a good game in Dallas, and he had yeah. a really good game against Memphis. Yeah. Memphis and then yeah. what is the Brooklyn game? And like that's that's the thing, right? It's that there are three games, and <laughs> these are guys who played, you know, medium at best, worst, but however you want to decide the percentages. I want to like put all three of them in there with a little asterisk being like, we can let you out a little early from detention. You have earned your time back. It's a lunch detention, not a lunch detention. detention. Yeah. Saturday detention. Uh, yeah. Let's call it, okay. Yeah. A, a breakfast club detention, right? 
And then, <laughs> well, the breakfast club detention was a whole Saturday. Like a yeah. lunch detention is just lunch. Oh, that's true. You know, but then they were able. But here's the thing. They were together. Right. So and they actually had a very <laughs> good bonding experience out of this. Right. Like people okay. who never would have been together, found themselves in one room. And now they're all. The so it's it's not a Nick's film school detention where you're in solitary. It's an act. OK, it's a communal detention. You know, you know, who filmed it's, a gen scenes. Pop, it's a gen pop detention. You God, know, yeah. who film scenes as the janitor in that movie. And then uh, it only lasted like a day or two and it didn't work out because they just thought the vibe was wrong. Who? Rick Moranis. Yeah, it doesn't really? work. Yeah. 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 No, I can't. Anyway, well, sorry seeing, about that. Go, seeing Ghostbusters. No, nah, the, the, no, that wouldn't work. Never mind. No. Yeah. Um, that's a good. So uh, lunch detention, maybe we'll take away their off campus lunch privileges. That's another idea. Sure. Um, with like a written assignment to, to boot. Um, I like that. Yeah. That's good. Um, I'm excited for this next segment. New segment. Um, shall I introduce it? Uh, I don't know how else to say this. Uh, we're going to go on Tankathon, and the three of us are going to do a lottery sim. I don't ever do this. I just want to say, I don't actually. I don't think I've ever done one of these because I just, I don't know. I don't. I haven't done them. Um, Not once. You've never hit sim. Maybe I have at some point. I don't. Oh, I don't it's know. exhilarating. You have to. You got to okay. do it once. Yeah. Great. Oh, so Andrew's sharing his screen. Wait. So can I do it on my screen? Or you- I thought it would just be like I'll hit simulate and then you. This will be our sim and you guys can assess. Oh, I thought oh, we were actually doing one. I okay. Mean, I, even if so, I can hit the thing three times and, and it could be your sim. That's different though. You're pushing the button. Okay. Fine. So you want to push the button? Hold no, on. No, it's fine. I'm not a five year old. Okay. Um, push that push the button. Sounded who, so like who, one for a minute. Well, before before you push the button, Andrew, <laughs> what's up? Not everyone's watching. Should we say where yeah. they are and what they're on? Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Go so the so the Knicks are currently in ninth place in the lottery standings as we record this podcast. Um, they are one game back of Portland for eighth. They are two games back of San Antonio for seventh. Um, and then it gets a little little dicey. Oh, actually, sorry, I should say they're tied for ninth with New Orleans. Um, but New Orleans uh, doesn't doesn't own their pick uh, unless it falls into the top four. Anyway, okay. Uh, is that enough? Any any more information? I need to get? Uh, let's see. Seventeen point three percent that it falls in the top four. Yes, and a three point eight percent chance that the Knicks get the number one overall pick. Yes, and um, again, for anybody who is at this point already rooting for losses, I don't don't begrudge you because if you that Jeremy just read that seventeen. 0.3% chance at the top four pick where the Knicks stand right now. If the Knicks got to fifth, which is where Indiana is, which again, they are five and a half games back of that. That So basically as far away as they are from the play-in is how far they are from Indiana. Their chances of a top four pick go up to 42.1%, which is like two and a half times what it is now. The top four in this draft is where you want to be. Um, we're not at the draft coverage stage of this podcast yet, but I'll, I'll just... Top four is where we want to be. Anyway, okay. Andrew, uh, whose sim are you running first? Let's go John's. Okay. So what do I, okay, here if, we go. If the lottery ended today, the Knicks, if the lottery was conducted today, yes, the Knicks end up with the ninth pick. And then okay. Oklahoma City uh, jumps up from where their placement would be as fourth, and they're now the number one pick. The Houston Rockets drop one, but with the worst record in the lead, they end up with the number two pick. And then San Antonio jumps into, wow. So a team that is right, the two teams that are right below the Knicks, um, or was it right around the Knicks? Yeah, two teams no, right, right below, below the Knicks 
are San Antonio and Portland, which adds on to why Knicks fans should be rooting or are rooting for losses, I should say. But isn't that the most Knicks option available? Like, hey, the two teams that were just below you. Just below. Yeah. Well, they're in the top four. Okay. Uh, Jeremy next. Um, Yes. I just, I take this more. My bigger takeaway here is that like, Two teams that didn't have top four odds got into the top four rather mm. than it just be like the Knicks didn't, you know? Yeah. Um, Jeremy's sim is Knicks stay at nine. And then actually, Jeremy, we'll, we'll do this for now. Jeremy, you read what the odds panned out to be. And then John can read mine. So it, it evens out. Sure. Uh, so the Pistons have the first overall pick for the second <laughs> year in a row. They will pair Kate Cunningham with most likely Chet Holmgren. Probably Chet Holmgren. Yeah, they go Chet. Pretty, it's a pretty dynamic duo. Yeah. And then moving down one spot, the Houston Rockets for the second year in a row will be picking second overall. And then moving down one more, the Orlando Magic. They will be picking uh, not a lot of craziness here. No, it's kind of chalk. Yeah. It's a boring one. It's okay. And OKC stays at four. And so the Knicks stay at nine. Everybody else stays. Okay. Um, John, my sim, as you get to read out. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Yep. The Knicks move down to 10th from 9th, winning the draft lottery again, just like in the last one, Detroit. Um, The the Lakers would have gotten a second overall pick, but they traded it away to the New Orleans Pelicans who now pick second. Um, Good job. Top four protecting their pick in the uh, CJ McCollum trade. No, no, this is the that's the Lakers pick. This is the Lakers pick that Lakers ends up being top four. Either Grizzlies 11 oh, to 30 or Pelicans 1. This is Sorry. the Anthony Davis so they tra- yeah. That's right. They traded away their own pick. Excuse me. I for- forgot what I was doing. Um, uh, the Kings pick third and the um, Spurs pick fourth. Two teams that jump up into the top four. So Houston goes from potentially being second down to fifth. Orlando goes from potentially being third down to sixth. And OKC... The, all the winning they've done lately takes them from fourth to seventh. That's why you don't. That's why you don't tank. Yes. Um, okay, <laughs> that's, I'm kidding. Well, a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, what are what's the segment we're up to? Oh yes, the prediction segment. Forgot about that one. Yes, the prediction segment. Um, so uh, I won last week. I'm now on a two game winning streak. I'm not gonna gloat about it. I don't gloat. It's unnecessary. It's beneath me. Um, first, uh, although I don't. No, I'm not gonna make a joke. Never mind. You could make any jokes you want. You have to now. I might cut it, but you have to make it. I don't know. Like, how low is that joke to be beneath you? You know? Oh, I get because I'm short. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Now I see why yeah. you didn't make the joke. Yeah, I, didn't, I, I <laughs> wanted to hold back for but uh-huh. um, egg me on. <laughs> so Wednesday, our, our, our playback game. Uh, shout out to all of our patrons um, who are who have been joining us on playback. I've been popping into some additional playback games uh, during the week, which has been fun. Uh, shout out Jessica for getting me on those. Um, so that is against Portland and that is at home. These, all these games are at home. So Portland on Wednesday, um, uh, Washington, uh, Christoph Porzingis allegedly will be back in the garden for the first time in, I don't know, a while. Uh, that's also at seven 30. And then uh, Utah, uh, they're playing Utah Sunday night at seven 30. And so uh, our next recording will be on Monday. So the next time you hear us will be a week from now, uh, as opposed to our usual spot. So three games, 
pretty easy decision for me. Uh, could go wrong. Could always go wrong. But uh, I think it's a pretty easy decision for me. I'm going to go two and one. I figured you would. That was always the easier one. Yeah. You know. chalk here. Listen, I would have taken one and two. You took one and two last week. I went one and two. I obviously have three options available to me. Well, mm-hmm. it's not going to be two. three. I made that mistake before. I'm not going to make that again this time. Okay. It's one and two or it's three and oh. And honestly, I, go for it. Go Eat for it. Do it. Just out, do tankers. it. Three and oh, baby. Let's go. We got the trailblazers. They're coming in. They're terrible. They got nothing, nothing to play for except pride. But the Knicks are playing for pride too. Cause they're at home. <laughs> and you know what? I'm in the stands, which is why they're probably going to lose. Oh no, Jeremy. They don't. <laughs> right. They're there. The wizards, man, they, they got to climb up. They got to get the Hawks, but will they? I don't think so. I think the Knicks got their number. And then finally, the Utah Jazz strolling in there. What happens? The Knicks take them down, just like some of the other teams that they've faced on the road as they've lost or had to go to overtime to win. So, um, three and I, I respect the the cojones here, Jeremy. That's also you know, like plausible for them to go three and too. I, I, you know, I absolutely think it's plausible. I think it's going to happen because it would fit right in with the theme that we started the show with, which it's like it's never just an unequivocally, you know good time here at Nick's Film School Podcast because like now the season is like over. So of course now, now they have the three and a week, you know, so um, they go three yeah. and oh and say, say, say Washington loses out this week. I don't know how many games they play this week. They go three and oh in their next three games. Actually just pull this up. It, oh, so Washington actually has, they have golden state it, and they have Denver. Then they have the Knicks. Well, I'm, just, I I'm just going in order. So the next, yeah. So there's, it's plausible that Washington could go 0 and 4 because then they play the Lakers, which it's like now that you're there, whether the Lakers show up for that game, but LeBron's still a thing. So the Knicks might, if they go 3 and 0 in Jeremy's world, they might pass Washington. And then if yes. Charlotte can go 3 and 0, they might have that puts them at 33 so, and 38, which means the Knicks are two back of the 10 seed. So again, I actually did this last night because I'm oh, okay. a sick, sick, sick man. Yeah. Um, Charlotte's schedule is is no bargain coming in. Like they they have like a, I think a game against the Magic. They have a game against someone else who's not very good. Um, but they have a lot of like in between games against teams that are like still fighting, still like pretty good. Like again, let's talk if they go three zero. How about that? Let's, let's that it. works. Next, do you have the twenty third easiest schedule remaining? I was gonna say and. We have Atlanta, 29th. And who else? I said that. Charlotte. Right. They have the, yeah. The seventh easiest. The seventh easiest. Yeah. yeah. So um, Atlanta is the second easiest, I guess. 29th most difficult. Charlotte has the 16th most difficult. And right next to them, the Wizards, 15th most difficult. It'll be very interesting to see also where the Knicks line up or how that looks for it moving forward. Because after they play the Blazers, it will certainly get more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. That was fun. Uh, Andrew, anything before we go? Yes. Producer's Corner. We have something very important before we go. For the next 10, 15 minutes, for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, 
take off. Thank you for listening to this episode of the pod. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode and a brand new guest. Uh, but for now, for Producers Corner, a pretty big movie hit theaters a little over a week ago uh, known as The Batman, uh, directed by um, directed by Matthew Reeves and then um, starring Robert Pattinson as Batman with a, a plethora of other uh, guests, uh, guests, yeah, other actors playing the supporting <laughs> cast. Um, these two fine gentlemen have seen it. I've obviously seen it and reviewed it on both the Invention of Dreams YouTube channel and the Final Review podcast feed. And I give the floor over to you two who saw it this weekend. What were your thoughts, spoilers and all, of the Batman? John, you first. Um, I will be, I'll be brief um, because I, to me, it's very, very simple. Um, one, go listen to final reviews, uh, podcast about Thanks. Batman. No, you guys nailed it. And specifically, um, I just want to echo Bernard's rant, as I said in our text, uh, text thread. Um, I don't care if this movie wasn't for you. This is an unequivocally excellent movie. And I don't think it's a perfect movie. I don't think it's a perfect superhero movie. I don't think it's like the best superhero movie. I don't, you know, I'm like I see a lot of people going to see it in the theater two, three times. Like I wish I had that luxury. Um, I'm not like in love with it in the way that I feel like some people are, but it's, it is exactly like what it, what it set out to be. It is that thing. And they executed it perfectly it is a score that i think it as the viewing experience was going on i don't think i've ever been that affected by a score and i i mm. I've, I've seen a lot of movies in my life but like as the movie was going on i'm listening to the score and it's like washing over me and i'm like oh my god this is the greatest thing i've ever heard it was as i said it it was as compelling to me as Heath Ledger was in, in the dark mm. night, which is going to sound crazy to people, but that's how much it affected me personally. Um, the only other thing I, I, I will say is that, um, you know, I, I, how should I put this? Um, yes, it is dark. Yes, it is long, but again, in the spirit of the character, uh, and the spirit of like what the Batman story is, I think there's a reason why the movie could be the way it is. Um, I think it's the, uh, I think you guys both said it. You actually, you said it, Andrew. It's, I think it's the best made Batman movie. I think it's probably one of my top 10 superhero slash comic movies ever. Um, really big fan, really big fan of it. All right. Do you want to like, I'll, I'll wrap up and you go do bedtime. And then I'll oh, um, no! I actually want to hear what Jeremy has to say. Okay. I'll I'll stick around for a minute. Okay, and you, then maybe if I have to go, you can rock out. I'll cut here. Jeremy, your thoughts? Well, why say it when I can sing it? And Ave, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Are gonna, you gonna say, say Ave Maria? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Are you gonna go Nirvana uh, and sing something, uh, in something in the way? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I saw it in IMAX. Nice. I had like middle seats. It was like perfect viewing. The only problem was that my eardrums are still hurting. And that was two mm. days ago. Because uh, of just, okay. like, how overwhelmed I was, but I'm, I'm happy about that because it like, it was everything that you would want a home movie to feel like, but also be in the movie theaters. I, so I felt as though 
up until the point where the Riddler is captured that everything from that point was like, this is perfect. This is phenomenal. I love all of this. And then we go from that moment to the end. And it felt like, felt like two movies kind of being sandwiched into one where the second movie is really good. And the first movie is phenomenal. Granted, it doesn't mean that I didn't like the second part of the movie. I just felt like, that car chase scene, for example, was one of the best oh. that I had seen maybe ever. It was mm-hmm. that good. I was on the edge of my seat. I couldn't. Unreal. It's so good. And, you know, like there were some moments that I thought were a little like contrived in the sense of like, why are they kissing at this one moment? I, mm-hmm. I get it. It's because they're two hot people. Yeah, because sure, they want to. That's why. But. Th- but also, like, I don't know. It just moments like that. And I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more depth to Zoe Kravitz's character. But again, I really loved it. It was like, it's sort of, John, as you were saying, and Andrew, and, you know, I'm sure you feel as well. To me, it, it was like this, this was a grittier movie. Mm-hmm. I love Marvel. I saw this with my girlfriend and she loves Marvel as well. And she didn't love this as much as she did a Marvel movie which is fine because they, they cater to different audiences. But I said like, you know, every now and then it's really nice to see a superhero movie where the stakes feel a lot more real. And I understand mm. like in a Marvel sense, you could snap and half the world disappears. That's a very real thing. Or, or basically what they're doing with this new phase in terms of uh, multiverses and all that, like yeah. sure, that, that could feel real, of course, but there's something about this and, how it was executed. Mm. It just felt like it was all pieced together and so creative that I just found myself really enjoying it. So like I said, the first, maybe I guess two hours or so (laughs) incredible. The last 30, 45 minutes, whatever it is like really good, really, really good stuff. You know, it's funny. You, you bring up the ending as a, I don't know if it's a demerit or not, but it's just like a a difference of how you view the movie, I guess. But to your point about like, and this is full spoilers here, to your point about how the stakes felt different, like the universe wasn't at play and you like go to a Marvel movie to see like, will the multiverse be saved or prevented? And with this, the stakes are so much more, not just, not just lived in or grounded, but like relatable, like, yeah, a, a nut on the internet inspiring people to go conduct a mass shooting. It's very at a political real. <laughs> event is like yeah, extremely lived in, yeah. you know, corruption working its way through Can, like our justice system and the, the political, uh, uh, our political system and our elections. Yeah. That feels super lived. Can I just jump in very quick there? Yeah, go ahead. The, the only reason, and I don't know if Jeremy feels the same way, why it fell a little bit flat to me and I completely am on board with Jeremy is because the, again, we're doing spoilers, the confrontation scene between the two of them in Arkham was mm-hmm. so, like, it was like, Oh my God, they ratcheted up to 11 and you're like, what, what is going to happen? And then the thing happened. And yes, I completely agree with you, Andrew. Very real. It's lived in. It's all of those things. But given the buildup that happened in that scene with two, two again, I'll, I, I, I'm a little bit higher on Paul Dano than maybe you and you and Oz are. Oh no, you're higher than Ash. I'm very high okay. on Paul so, Dano. Yeah, two, two really good actors, and and like Oz said, Pattinson playing off of Dano just as well as you can, ratcheting it all the way up, and then 
just a payoff for me. What even as much as it made sense on an intellectual level, it just it it's something about it just fell a little flat there. That's Which all. is fine, I think. And we've like had a weird theme going on lately on on Final Review where we bring up the idea of the school shooter genre and like the mm. mass shooter fear and panic that just exists flat out in this country. That like seeing Madison Square Garden potentially be the place where yeah. a mass shooting could take place if the right sicko on the internet and like the chat room that they were talking about with what what's the correct mask and gauge and gun to yeah, go get yeah. like that could be happening right now yeah. we don't know what's taking place to prevent it very you real. know and like the the fact that that inter that uh, interrogation scene between batman and riddler riddler thinks he's working with batman yeah like he's inspired by somebody that has has is unaware of the consequences that his actions have have provided, and yeah, it just I, I forget who said it on our our favorite pod, John, on the big picture. I think it was Mahoney that was just like, I haven't like, listened to that I, one yet. Well, so like I felt things that I didn't feel in the final act of this movie, like it, like the the final act of Spider Man No Way Home. Like the three of us loved it, right? Like oh yeah. wow, three Spider Man, this is great. All oh, the multiverse. Awesome. Like the third act of the Avengers Endgame. Like, oh my God, they're back. The portals are opening. Awesome. And I felt like the opposite in this, where it wasn't exhilaration for how they're going to wrap this up, but like fear because of the relatability of the actual actual stakes at play. Um, I will say, though, yeah, there is something that is uh, very unrealistic in terms of with the real Madison Square Garden. Okay. What? Well, a flood isn't going to impact Madison Square Garden since it's like, yeah, it's well like on the fourth floor. Yeah. <laughs> so here I'm thinking like this they should have made, you know, <laughs> they should have made it Barclays Garden. is what you're saying. Basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you go to Barclays, and of course it's, it's below it's, ground. It's yeah. This, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. Fair. I think James okay. Dolan has it right. Just gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> well, as, as we end all episodes praising James Dolan. <laughs> James Dolan. The other, I thought you were gonna say the other part that feels relatable is the fact that the Riddler in real life might be working for Nick's film school. I can't believe how <laughs> similar those two look alike. It's it, like, it's first, a little scary. I thought, <laughs> all right, this is just a funny joke. And then you walk in. Yeah. Nope. That's uh, somebody pull up Chris's carpet in his dorm room. Like, um, the Riddler does our <laughs> halftime shows. You realize that, right? Not a bad nickname. No, um, if you came out on the halftime show with a mask on and mm. distorted your voice, I would fall on my ass laughing. I would challenge. What's I funny challenge is he did, forget about forget about Adam West. He probably doesn't even know who Michael Keaton is. Um, Again, born born yeah, the year that born the year that Spider Man two uh, Spider Man came out. So uh, the, that comes with the territory, you know. Um, this was fun. I'm happy we got to talk about this movie. Every, everybody should go see the movie. I, I'll just say that. And um, as Jeremy did, I don't know if you how you saw it, John, but I saw it in IMAX and then I saw it in Dolby. The sound and the the score and the filmmaking elements of this movie are heightened by your theater experience. Obviously, yep. do it as safe as possible. But yeah. now in both experiences, I've gotten to enjoy it. And it's blown me away both times. It's so good. Uh, IMAX. It's just yeah, I, I know I want to go see it in IMAX. Uh, maybe when my wife gets to take a, a movie date with each other on the 12th of never um, on off that season. note. <laughs> yes. Off season. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is great. Jeremy, uh, you're the man. Anything else before we go? It's all for me, John. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> long live cats and their fiddles. Uh, Andrew, uh, thank you for well, producing. Long live another. Catwoman. Yes. Oh, and her, her fiddle. There you go. 
Also, how baller was it for her to just have a cat on her? It was great. Yeah. And the nails too, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you, Andrew, for producing another uh, banger episode. And of course, most of all, thank you out there, uh, Nick's Film School Nation, for tuning in to another episode of the show. Uh, like we said, we'll be back with you with another one of these episodes featuring me and Jeremy um, a week from now. We do have uh, some episodes dropping this week, uh, including, I'll tease it now, I guess, uh, one very special guest uh, that will join us um, at the end of the week that you are going to want to uh, keep an eye out for. So until then, enjoy your week and we will talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.